0: Right. Well, good morning. Thank you, guys. It's good to be back with you. I am. Uh, man, I'm, I feel rested, even though it's been. A, I, I flew into the into the past, I guess. Or you know, so we we left one day from. We went to Israel and we went to Italy. Leave one day and you're still flying nine, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen hours later, and you're still in the same day and it's still daylight. So it's it's really weird. But we're here. Yesterday was kind of a coming out of the fog and excited, excited to be here. And so uh, there's so much more than I can explain in a weekend. And so we're probably, you know, this stuff's just going to pour out of us for the next, who knows, year at least. Uh, So we had a good time. We actually did a training. My wife and I, Ali, did a training in Israel. It was a eight-day on inland uh, trip, two days of traveling. And so there we had a lady that was just Downloading content for ten to twelve hours for us nonstop. This lady can teach like no other business. I mean, she's a Messianic Jew. Uh, her family had been uh, kind of exiled out to Argentina, and then they came back as she was a child, or even before she was born. So, Spanish speaking, Hebrew speaking, uh, English speaking, Messianic Jew, a Jew, and. historian uh yeah historian theologian she actually helps people with bible translations from hebrew even in new testament because our hebrew our new testament's he uh, translated from greek so she helps them understand what the new testament would say in hebrew as opposed to greek and how it means And, and she would just expel that for us and it was just uh it was just amazing so uh, being able to send her that and and as she was treat, t- training and teaching on as we would go to locations here's here's what bible prophecy has said here's what where that happened here's how that happened here's where it will happen here's how it's going to happen she'd open the bible to us and and to help explain and just so many amazing things and so uh, i'm just going to put a little bits and pieces along as we go and uh, we'll just see where it all comes out but it's just too much in one setting But we are starting a new series because our anniversary, our birthday is next week. We are actually six years on the day of March 19th. That's pretty cool. Uh, Allie, my wife, and I planted this church in 2017 on March 19th. So uh, we knew it was a time for, for spring, a time for kings to go out to war, and a time of planting. That's what that's what it's about. So that's what we did, and uh, thank God it's been great ever since. And you you get to see the see this and see the fruit of it, and we get to see the fruit in your lives that that thrive has has changed your lives and affected your lives in hopefully a positive way. <laughs> hopefully a positive way. But we're talking about because it's party time. And uh, I know I got some even kickback from my staff like, Pastor Nathan, what are you talking about? Party time. Where are you going with this? And I uh, hey, we like to party. Let's, we, let's, we, we should. Uh, sometimes it's like, wait a minute, where, do you go, where are you going? This is a little sacrilegious, isn't it? Uh, you shouldn't be talking about that in church. Uh, can I just say we shouldn't be smug in church? Can, can I just say we shouldn't be smug in church uh, yes we should have reverence and yes we need to have awe yes absolutely but part of that is understanding what God has done and he will do and so when you start to grasp that as a believer and, and one who is in Christ it's a celebration and in fact God actually designed parties parties so that we would remember him and he designed how we should party Uh, We sometimes we're afraid because of pagan roots that and and some of the things if I were to take you back in history as to why the the church quit even celebrating and became so somber which is not God's will. Drunkenness is not God's will and so we're not talking about partying and drunkenness although the Jews use wine in, in many of their celebrations. So no, in every celebration, and so but we're not talking about drunkenness, and it is a time to party, and so I'm going to break down these parties that God has designed for us to one commemorate Him and for us to remember Him and remember His works, but also remember what He will do. So there's some there's some uh, some of these feasts that have prophetically already taken place. That's why we get to be in the body of Christ, and then there's some that will take place. So I'm going to start on the second half, but for you. Because there's many people who will be here on Easter Sunday and April 9th that rarely come to church. They're going to be on the first half. So, Passover would have been one of the first feasts. First feast that the Hebrew children experienced was Passover. I'm bringing you to the middle so that you can have the end of the story so that when they come in to the beginning of the story, you'll be able to celebrate and bring joy to the party because they're just walking into the party. You ever been to a party where it's like, okay, you walk, you've you been partying or other people and then you walk into the middle of it it's like, dang, this thing's kicking. That's where we're trying to go. We want people to understand to be with Christ, the real Jesus, it's a celebration. And if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't understand that, let me get you out of religion And let me get you into celebration into the real Jesus. And let me get the smug off your face so that you can actually have joy about what Christ has already done for you. And yet again, what he's going to do for you in the future. Good? All right. Let me explain some of these things. Because we're talking about this week, we're talking about the Feast of Trumpets. And this is technically a trumpet, a shofar, but it's a trumpet. John, my friend over here, is going to give you an example at the end of service. But there's a reason That this is a feast of trumpets. This will be an example. Some may be overlaid with silver if you're a priest. A Levite, we're typically the priests, uh, the the, the family of Levites. And so there will be a trumpet blast. The feast of trumpets is all about celebration. So let me explain that to you. But before before we start, we have to understand that God designed this thing called the Sabbath. And before we could feast, before we could celebrate, it all had to be wrapped around his understanding of Sabbath. And we struggle with this as a people. We struggle with this as a nation. We struggle with this as a western hemisphere from north to south, from Canada down to, to Chile, and the bottom of Chile, the end of the world, been there. We struggle. We struggle with rest. We struggle with not doing. But God's design is this. In Leviticus 23.3, he says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of, the, of solemn rest. A holy convocation means set aside, completely holy. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Everybody. He wants everybody to just take a break, just rest, get out of the works. And God literally sets up his explanation of his feast and how he would like for us to party, to celebrate, but he does it around this, the context of a Sabbath. In Leviticus 23, he starts he gives us his seven feasts that he wants his people to celebrate. But he says, first before we do that, let me tell you about the Sabbath. So he, did, he, he, he commands that we rest, his people rest. But then he says, hey, while you're resting... I want you to have fun and remember some things about me. I want you to know some things about me that one day you'll experience so when they start to happen, you'll realize you've been preparing for this for thousands of years. I want to begin to train your mindset to understand and see when I bring about these things, these victories, these moments, these, these, these uh, freedoms, these salvation moments for you, you can't miss it. This has been his intention ever since the beginning of his feast uh, declarations. But every one of God's feasts are set around his principle of the Sabbath. But let's remember, this was relatively a new idea, a new concept for God's children, his audience, his original audience. Now they had been in bondage, in slavery for 400 plus years, serving Egypt, working every day. Building, building mud bricks, stacking mud bricks. And the, the, God came along and said, "Hey, I want you to take three days, go out into the wilderness and celebrate me." So they go to Pharaoh and they, say, Pharaoh said, "Oh, you got plenty of time, you don't have enough work. Let me heap more work upon you. And so I don't know about you, but for me it feels like, especially when I started a Sabbath, started practicing this concept of a Sabbath, or when I get out of rhythm and I get back to establishing this principle back in my life, I feel like all hell kind of breaks loose. Like stuff just starts to fall apart and distractions everywhere. And it's almost like there's work being heaped upon me when I try to practice this principle of, the, of rest called Sabbath. But what I have learned, if in spite of all those distractions and those things breaking loose, if I will just by faith practice this principle, God works everything out. And not only that, he strengthens me, he prepares me, he gives me insight and wisdom, and he gives me focus for the next week to come. So it's a a faith thing. When God handed down the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments, it became a new rhythm for the free people of God. Again, they've been working every day. And even when they try to take a three-day break, they got more work heaped upon them. And now they're delivered out of this bondage. And God's bringing this Ten Commandments with the fourth being, I want you to rest, take a Sabbath. He's like, well, the last time we tried to do that, it got really bad for us. And so can you imagine the bondage that they're in right here? Like they're, they're free physically. But now they're trying to get the bondage. God's trying to get the bondage out of here. I'm going to let that sit for a second. Sabbath is not a list of tasks to be complete or, or sins to avoid. It, it's not, instead, it's an invitation to change the pattern. We get so focused. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing. I've got to answer this. I've got to do this. I've got to send this email. I've got to respond to this. I've got to go here. I've got to do this. And we get so busy doing things that before we look up, we don't even know, does it have any value or importance what is the reason I'm doing these things? And who am I even doing it for any, anyway? And then all of a sudden, we start to trail away from purpose, and God's just saying, Hey, would you just kind of take a break? Spend some time with me? Let me reevaluate and bring some reevaluation to what it is that you're doing. Let me give you some vision and scope. Let me give you some clarity. Let me answer, answer some of your issues, your heart issues, the things that you've been struggling over. Can I, can, I just, can I just sit you down for a little bit? It's an invitation. It's to take a break from creating and building and working and striving to to receive from God. The Sabbath is not about what we do with our hands, but it's about what we do with our heart. It's about as I go, now I want my heart to be directed to the Lord, especially this day. In Isaiah 40 and 28, God God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he's saying, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. Like, he's not tired. He's not exhausted. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. You take that, that one day, and all of a sudden, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm tapped out, I'm stressed, and which brings a whole variety of other relational and life issues. But you give God that time. He didn't need to rest on the seventh day of creation because he was tired. He wasn't weary. He wasn't exhausted on creating everything on earth. No, he was leading by example for those who would one day follow him, saying, if you'll take this day, I will give back to you, and I will recharge you for the things ahead. He was given creation an opportunity to receive from the creator so that they can then go and create. As Gentiles, though which every non-Jew is we're Gentiles we, while we still need to abide in the Ten Commandments the Sabbath is not a principle he commands that we follow as a law but rather it's an opportunity, an invitation to receive blessings that come along with it we see it as the law, I have to but he's saying it's an invitation for you to be blessed and to be strengthened Isaiah 58, 13, he has some promises connected with it. If you turn away from your foot, your foot from, from the Sabbath, meaning not like walk away from the Sabbath, he's saying we got the Sabbath in a stronghold, in a struggle, and in a chokehold with our foot, saying I don't want to have any part with you. I'm trying to exterminate you, trying to kill you. But if you'll take your foot off of it and just call it good, if you'll from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, not like, man, I gotta do this, I can't do it, I wanna do all these things. There is spiritual warfare about all the things that you feel like you should be doing, you have to be doing, you need to be doing. You you can't do, you can't rest because of all this. But if you'll fight through that, you'll say, no, no, time with the Lord is a, de- a delight. He says, in the holy day of the Lord, honorable. And shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. It takes a little time to get there, but eventually start convincing yourself that the Sabbath is good. And here's the promise. God's a good promiser. He fulfills his promises. And he's got a promise around the Sabbath, if you'll honor it, as an invitation to receive. I'll cause you to ride on the the high heels of the earth. All this toiling you're doing so that you think you gotta do seven days so that you can get ahead because you're behind in life or or you're just there's there's too much To to take a break about or uh, there's too much that you have to do or demanding upon you people expect so much from you yada yada he's saying if you'll just take the break anyway and rest in me I will take care of those issues I will give you wisdom and resolve so that this thing will not only get done but it will exceed it will succeed with great success and not only that I'm going to cause you to ride up in high places what you've been striving for it's a by faith principle that God has designed for his children. And feed you. He says, I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. By the way, his grandfather is Abraham, the father of our faith. I'm going to feed you with the, the, the blessings of Abraham. And then he says this, and it's the only place you'll see it in the Bible the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Like I either trust him or I don't. So, what's the deal with the trumpets? Right after, he talks about a few other feasts, without, which I'll explain in, the, in the several weeks from now. He says in Leviticus 23 and 23 through 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, because the Lord is giving Moses these details on how he wants the Sabbath to look and the feast to look. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the, of the month... Verse 24, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. He's saying, hey, set apart this day, seventh month, first day of the month, which happens to be the Jewish new year of the day because they had two, uh, ag- two seasons of agriculture. They would start off a new year, which is for us about September, October. It's called Rosh Hashanah. They set aside this rest on new years, and blow the trumpets as as a victory blast, as a celebration of things to come. You've gotten over a year, now let's look into the new year. As a Sabbath rest, blowing of trumpets, holy convocation, you should do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Give up sacrifices, rest, blow the trumpets, 29 of Numbers 29, 1 says this, and in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall, you have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work for you. It is a day of blowing the trumpets. He's trying to, and when he repeats himself, you ought to pay attention. You know, you you ever had to tell your children, do I to repeat myself? Like God, God does not need to repeat himself, but he does. And when he does, we ought to pay attention. He's talking to us about this feast of trumpets, but why trumpets? Well, number one, trumpets symbolize power in the presence of, of the Lord. Power and presence of the Lord. You ever been in a room with someone and like you have their existence there but you don't have their complete presence? Like they're, they're either on their phones or they're busy listening, talking and, and not listening to you, they're listening to their own voice or, or maybe they're busy with work and, and you're there and they were supposed to be t- spending time with you, but you don't have their full presence. Or maybe you're, you have children or you've had children, and like you've been, you brought work home, and you're doing work, and the kids are demanding your time. They're trying to get your attention, and they're actually annoying you, and all they want is you. They want your presence. Well, he's saying, listen, rest, get rid of it, leave your computer at, at work, don't bring it home, don't take it with, into your prayer closet with me. I want to have your full attention and go, because I want you to know you have my full attention. And that's a pretty good p- situation whenever you've got God's full attention and he has your full attention, there's some things that can happen. Because what he is promising with this feast of trumpets and this celebration in that Sabbath day of resting from your work, he's saying, you give me your full attention, I'm going to give you my full attention, and I'm going to show you some things that can get done and we can do together that, w- that no human can do on their own, and you can rest from your works, and I will start to do the work through you and for you. Whew, it's so freeing is so liberating when we get the understanding that he wants to do the work in us and through us, and he actually wants to cause it to happen for us. Cause it to happen for us. And so number two is this, trumpets symbolize God's triumph. Joshua 6, 16 says, and the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets. Now remember, the Hebrew children, had gone into Joshua and Caleb are leading the people out of the wilderness. A generation died because of disobedience. Moses, and a generation of military age, people died and the children who raised up in the wilderness, they've never seen war. But they know they're about to have to cross into a land and they're gonna have to fight for what they take. Joshua leads them across the Jordan into a place called Gilgal, just opposite the wilderness, just before Jericho. And so he, God gives them some orders and saying, hey, I've got a plan for you, but you're going to have to follow me to win this battle. They've never seen war. So he says, hey, I want you to follow, go around the, the, the city six times in on on, six days. But on the seventh day, I want you to circle it seven times and then blow the trumpet. Now physics says this, they were literally, because of the multitudes of people, they were about standing side by side and they could literally encompass, circle the whole city with one large line continuing around the city of Jericho. So for six days, they're sitting there walking, and they're, and they're stomping, and they're shaking the vibrations of the foundations of the wall. And so on the seventh day, when they walk six times, they're continuing to to, to disturb the foundations of the wall of Jericho. And then finally, on the seventh time, they begin to blow their trumpets and declare. And the, because of their walking and their obedience and following the Lord, the Lord shook the walls of defense of Jericho, made it fall, and they God himself destroyed the people that came canaanites in jericho he gave them this feast so that one day they will begin to understand this feast of trumpets and that he is bringing victory because even this moment is a pointing to another moment that's going to come in the future and yet not has not still come yet but it will come and he's giving them an an insight of you blow the trumpet i'm going to get the victory because i'm trying to show you some things that i'm doing for your life later you even declared these songs in worship today, and you don't even know it. In Joshua 5:13, they had celebrated in Gilgal, they crossed the river, never seen war. God's giving them the instructions of what they're going to have to do. So they celebrated two of the feasts. They celebrated Passover, they celebrated unleavened bread, feast of unleavened unleavened bread. And they're sitting here reminding themselves: God did this in the past. He's taken us out of exile, out of bondage. He's liberated us. He did this. He gave us victory. And then here they are. They're about to fight a new vi- have to face another issue. And then Joshua 5, 13 and 14 says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was, was at Jericho, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or our adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And we know this to be Jesus showing up right there in the desert. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did a wise thing and worshiped. I'm going to pause, interestingly enough, when Jesus shows up after he gets baptized in the Jordan, when the people crossed over. When Joshua led the Hebrew children across the Jordan, that is a picture of bat- water baptism. The generation before had been water baptized through the Red Sea, the coming, the parting of the Red Sea, picture of the baptism. You're about to go to war, we need to get this generation baptized. Jesus, modern day, let me take you to New Testament, Jesus goes to the Jordan, meets John, John baptizes The Father says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And then the Holy Spirit then guides Jesus out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and be tempted. Where did he take him? Right here on this mountainside just before Jericho to the Mount of Temptation so that Jesus could overcome his temptation, his issues, his struggles, his challenges before he started his ministry. (laughs) So... You, God is constantly trying to rewrite and show and give us evidence of what he is doing in our lives because we have spiritual amnesia. <laughs> Number three, tr- uh, trumpets signal worship of God's people. This feast actually kicks off the Jewish New Year, as I, as I said, Rosh Hashanah. They're celebrating, they're declaring. It also brings in 10 days of repentance. I'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, but it brings in this time of, let me remember, let me recall, but let me celebrate because of what God has already done and what he is saying that he will do for me and my family. So what do they do? They bring in faithful, they have faithful acts. They're declaring acts of God, reminding of testimonies. They're they're sounding the trumpet. The shofars are blowing all over Jerusalem. It's happening everywhere. They're bringing in valuable offerings, loud declarations. It's a full party. The whole nation is in an uproar of a party, celebrating. They're excited. They get it. They're starting to understand. They're reminding themselves. And in fact, that place would become the location of blowing these trumpets. The place that they blow the trump, they would begin to blow the trumpets as an act of the, for the feast of trumpets, is known as the pinnacle of the temple. There's a place, there's, a wall, there's actually a huge stone that has fallen, it's still, it's still on the ground. And it's in Hebrew, it says, pinnacle of the temple. It's the highest point of the temple wall. And it overlooks this thing, this place called the Mount of Olives. And scripture tells us, when the trumpet blows, the fe- this is the whole purpose of the Feast of, of Trumpets, to point to a day when the final trumpet blows, Jesus will descend, and Scripture tells us he will, de- he will descend as he ascended, and he ascended from the Mount of Olives, and below him is nothing but grave sites, Jews on one side and Muslims on the other side. And so the Feast of Trumpets will one day take place, and there, right there at that place where it says the temple, uh, the, the, the pinnacle of the temple, I'm going to show you some other things that took place for Jesus. Remember, as, as the Holy Spirit led Jesus away into the wilderness, Satan comes in, and in Matthew 4, 5, and 6, it says, Then the devil took him into the holy city, Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, This is where they they blew trumpets during the second temple period. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. Satan knows at one point he's going to descend right across the valley. He's saying, you throw yourself down. He doesn't have to because God's going to deliver him down. And he said, no, 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 you don't test the Lord. You tempt the Lord your God. And so, in fact, the devil knows that when the final trumpet blasts, Jesus will return across the valley of the Mount of Olives in the same way. I'm telling you right now, so many times Jesus Jesus is trying to show us what he has for us, trying to give us purpose and vision on that Sabbath, on that rest, and celebrating him and spending time with him. But Satan is continually offering a counterfeit version that we're willing to settle for because it's innate inside of us that we have to work for it. And if Jesus would have worked for it, you and I don't have salvation. And he's trying to replicate himself inside of you and reproduce what, is, what has benefited him because he has gone forth before us in this journey. And he's trying to reach back to us and say, hey, I'm trying to offer you another way. Would you take time and celebrate and just rest in me and have, give me your full presence? Because I'm going to give you my full presence. Can't help but to rise on the hilltops. Number four is this. The trumpet will signal the return of our king. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 57 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last Trumpet. You can see the feast of tabernacles as a feast of trumpets starting to bring manifest clarity of what god has really originally intended with this feast for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed let me remind you the trumpet sounding over here jesus is descending over here and in the middle is nothing but a valley of graves today for this corruption this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality 54, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, this is eternal life in Christ, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That thing that has been putting fear into mankind will be swallowed up. That that false version, that counterfeit adventure that Satan has been offering up would just leads to death, it will be swallowed up in victory should we bypass that and choose the way of the Lord yes. but it's so much distraction and so much so much attention that's being given to everything else and not spending time with the Lord and honoring him in that Sabbath I can't understand the version that Christ is offering because I'm distracted with the the false version of bitsiness, yes. of the works of my hands of I've got this I can do it I don't need help. It's a false version. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This. This is the purpose of the Feast of Trumpets, to point us to this reality of the resurrection when we will have victory. Therefore, because we will have victory, we should already walk in victory, and that's a time to party. 1 Thessalonians 5, four fifteen and 17 says this, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. There's gonna be a final trumpet that's gonna blow in the minds of his people. It's gonna bring a remembrance and understanding of the day of a judgment by which if you're in Christ, you've already been passed. It doesn't bring a fear, it doesn't bring a mourning unless it's for the, the family members of those who are not in Christ. But, oh, death, where's your sting? The trumpet of God will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And we're not getting into this conversation, we can, I can argue three ways. I can argue pre-tribulation and prove you wrong, <laughs> prove myself right. I can argue mid-tribulation, prove you wrong, prove myself. I can argue post-tribulation. There's enough content in the Bible to confuse us if we wanna argue about it. Here's the reality. I need to live like it's gonna be post-tribulation that I go up with Jesus so that I'm, I'm ready for every battle, every fight, every temptation, every every false version that by the way, Satan will offer up as many false versions as he possibly can to get you to worship him before you come to Christ, before you ascend with Christ. I live like I'm going to have to live through tribulation, but I'm really excited and I'm hoping I never have to see any of it. Is that good enough? (laughs) I'm going to live the same, but also know the same that victory has been won and victory already is mine. I may have to make a few decisions that are uncomfortable. Jesus says this, though, Matthew 24, 30, and 31. He talks about after a great tribulation. The sign of the man, Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why? Because they denied Christ. Not every Jew, but a, a large portion of every tribe has denied the Messiah has already come. So they will mourn. I wish I would have accepted and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and let me just tell you they live with the reality of of uh, expectation that this will happen many think this will be the first coming having had missed that first coming but we know this is going to be the second coming here's what some jews say what are you going to do when you meet christ this is their response was this your first time because they're a little unsure They're wondering, have you already been here and we missed it? I'd say yes. With power and great glory, he comes and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Can you see how God's been trying since the Old Testament, since he liberated his people out of slavery to egypt and he set up these parties these feasts and saying hey rest in me and celebrate me he's pointing to the day where we're, we will officially rest in him knowing that he's already brought the victory some of us struggle with the fact that we're already in victory because we're wondering walking around with egypt mentalities But God's saying, I've already given you the victory, so get rid of the the dead clothes. Get rid of the grave clothes. Get rid of whatever it is that's easily entangling you, and accept the freedom, accept the forgiveness, and accept the life and victory that I've already provided for you. So why the party? Foremost because, like I said, believers tend to have spiritual amnesia. Like, God has given us great victory. He, he saved us from maybe eternal punishment. He saved us out of issues. He's brought victory in an area of our lives, and then we get busy, and we start doing life, and we, we don't break routine. We forget to honor him. We forget to spend time with him. We forget, we forget the victories that he's already brought us, and then battle comes. Issue comes. Struggle struggle comes. An issue that God is actually hoping that will work some things out of you and character moments out of you, character issues out of you, so that his character can get in you, because that's where the victory must come. He's trying to bring you to a place of victory, but he's trying to get some stuff out of you so that you can fully experience and accept the victory he's already got for you. It's already his plan. But his whole plan, the guidance, the part of it is the inner working of the Holy Spirit that is already bringing to your thought mind, I need to stop doing that, I need to quit doing that, I, should, I shouldn't be doing that. And he's not, it's, he's not bringing guilt and shame and condemnation. He's saying, here's some places I want you to repent and come to me. Here's some areas I want you to make room for me so that I can really thrive in your life. Here's some things that I really want to work on so that we can really walk, help you walk in the fullness. That's what he, his version is. He goes, i got victory for you already. Would you receive it? And for the Jews, and for us, it will be the day of judgment. It will be the day of judgment. It's the day of remembrance. It's a day where where Jews would say, boy, I need to look over the last year. Because in their minds, this is the time where God opens up the book of life, and he starts to review what they've done wrong and what they've done right. And their fear, this is why it kicks in 10 days of repentance into the Feast of Atonement, which we'll talk about in two weeks, because now they're scrambling. It's like, okay, I need to repent for this, I need to repent for that, I need to repent for that. I need to do more works, I need to do good stuff, I need to do more good than I do bad so that my name will remain in this book of life. This is their version. It's also believed in tradition, Jewish tradition that this is the day that the world was conceived. The sound of a blast of a trumpet. It's funny how evolutionists think that, that the Big Bang Theory. Well, traditional Jewish Jews also think that there was a blast of a trumpet and God created the earth. And even believe that it happened right there, it started right there in Jerusalem. The day of blasting, this is called, a shofar that would be sounded. It's a day for blasting and celebrating. And it's a declaration of war and victory at the same time. So sound the horns. Like I said, Jewish tradition says, I just got to do more good than I did bad. Their fear is that God opens up the book of life, he sees their name, and he sees all their deeds, their list of deeds, and if they haven't done enough good, and they've done more bad, then when he closes up the book, they won't be in there for the next year. Now, we know for, as, as believers in Christ, when our name is in the book of life, it is in the book of life. And the problem with, if we don't have a near enough relationship with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus through the inner working of the Holy Spirit, we will begin to fall back into this traditional religion rote lifestyle of, I just need to do more good to overcome my sins. I need to do more good than I've done bad so that I can stay in the book of life. And then it becomes nothing about relationship and it's all about religion. And then I'm afraid to celebrate and I'm afraid to party with the victory because I'm not really sure I have the victory yet. So while the tradition is to celebrate for them with apples and fresh fruit and honey and and, and dates, you know, the fruit dates and wine. For us, it is an understanding that we will experience the sweetness and victory of what god has already given us through the blood of his son and we get to enjoy that in advance and we don't have to wait and so this is not a we're waiting for a day to celebrate this is for us a lifestyle of a repentant heart when we do sin because we will sin because of the depravity of humanity. And when we do, because of our relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit will convict us of righteousness. That's not who you are. That's not what I've got for you. I've got better for you. I've got a better version. And then repentance lifestyle says, you know what, you're right. And i got a brother. i got a I got a brother. Or if you're a lady, i got a sister I can confess to and I can repent to back to God and I can say we just pray over me cuz we go to God for forgiveness but we have to go to a brother or a sister depending on your gender for healing. And that's the feast of trumpets knowing that one day that final trumpet will sound, but in lifestyle means I'm going to walk in victory and I'm going to have a repentant lifestyle because I am human. And God's saying, whenever you do, are you going to stand in repentance, or are you going to stand in pride when my Holy Spirit convicts you of your righteousness? Are you going to defend your sin, or are you going to come before me and worship as Joshua did and fall on your face and say, yes, I did that, I confess, please forgive me, and let me tell you what the promise of God is, the moment you do that, you are forgiven. And if God forgives someone, how can you forgive hold unforgiveness towards yourself? I just need to say if you're if you're willing to hold unforgiveness towards yourself, inadvertently you're saying what Christ did on the cross was not enough for me. Repentance is not shame. It's not carrying guilt around. It's not carrying fear that God's going to beat you over the head. It's not self-punishment. It's not saying I I need to punish myself and abuse myself. I need to, it's not your place. Repentance is saying, you know what? I'm sorry, God. That's not who you've created me, me to be. That's not your best for me. Will you forgive me? In the moment, you can't even get forgive me out of your mouth fast enough and God's already forgiven you. But it restores the relationship. And I mean the relationship, not the position between you and Christ because the position is set, but the relationship to where you can actually hear Christ. You can hear from the Holy Spirit on that Sabbath day rest so that he can give you the sounds of victory, which looks like the details of your purpose. So I asked John if he would blow the trumpet and give us an evidence so that you can have this understanding of one day that final trumpet will blast, but is your heart gonna be repentant along the way or is it gonna be proud? <laughs> Go ahead. Close your, so close your eyes. Close your eyes. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Come on. Close your eyes. It's okay. Clap. That's good. And I just want you to picture in your mind's eye a spiritual reality. That one day that sound will blow all around the earth, coming from the pinnacle of the temple. And in the clouds will come down this king to restore his kingdom. And he's going to want to meet with you face to face. He's going to want to open up the book of life and look over all the things, the thoughts the intentions, the idea, the heart motives. And I'm wondering right now, will pride be the response or will repentance already have been given? Will you go to that day knowing that I'm fully confident because I've already repented of all of those sins and I've asked for forgiveness and I've confessed and I've had my brother or my sister pray over me to help me be delivered from this issue. I'm wondering as you walk that path, and you get in the line. I'm wondering what you're going to choose today. Will you have a repentant lifestyle that you walk? I'm not saying sinless. There's only one that ever will be sinless. And maybe you think you are, and maybe pride is the one issue that God's working on you right now. So right there, let's just, Lord, I choose a life of repentance. I never want to walk proud before you, God. I receive the victory, the victory you've already provided for me, the victory you will provide for me. I confess the things that you're bringing before me in my heart right now. And I thank you that you don't condemn me. I thank you that you don't, you don't direct me to hell. I thank you that you don't, re, you don't even allow hell to torment me. I thank you that you forgive. I thank you that you liberate. I thank you for your freedom. I thank you for the blood that was on the cross that was shed by you by, with joy. I thank you for the victory now, and I thank you for the victory to come, and I thank you when you read the scroll of my junk, you say forgiven. So right now, I think some are in here, and they just need to receive that, just need to accept that. And at the end of service, you may need to come forward, and you may need a brother or a sister to pray over you, because, again, forgiveness, comes from the Lord, but healing comes from the prayer of a righteous, a prayer of a saint, a prayer of a brother, a prayer of a sister. Don't walk out of here forgiven, but still in bondage. So, Father, we just thank you for all your promises. We thank you for your yeses. We thank you for the amens. We thank you that you will. We thank you that you have. We thank you that you've conquered. We thank you for this party that we get to celebrate and lifestyle in. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for victory. In Jesus mighty, can I get a good amen? Amen.